Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Thank you, Diane, for reading this morning, and good morning, everyone. So I've been to the festival. Oh, yeah, I got more. Been there, done that. (laughs) I said to my wife, I said, why isn't someone selling t-shirts? And I guess there were. There were. What did they say? I've been to Zurich? Yeah, man, that's good stuff. Good stuff. So we're continuing this morning uh, my series on the book of Colossians. And my title this morning is Live Alive and Free. And we've been talking all this time about Staying focused on Christ. Don't get off track. Paul was writing to the Colossian church, reminding them there's going to be stuff that's going to get in your way. There's going to be ideas and, and things that want to pull your eyes off Christ. And Paul's saying, don't get off track. Stay focused on Christ. And this week, if, if you walk away with one thought, I want you to think about this, that we have new life with Christ. And we need to respond by choosing to live in that new life. Another way to say it, the training wheels are off. Now it's time to start pedaling. And I see someone wasn't listening because they took it literally. And I noticed this was here Saturday night. Uh, So I don't know if this narrows down who it might have been. Um, But someone took it quite literally and they got rid of their training wheels. But... (laughs) I appreciate that. I'll put them on my bike. They'll fit just nicely. So last week we talked about that we don't need training wheels. We don't need rules and regulations and a pattern of behavior to walk in righteousness, to do what God wants us to do. We don't need... Training wheels give you a false sense of security, a false sense of holiness. We've been made new. We've been given new life. We can ride. We don't need training wheels. We just got to go for it. So don't put them back on. So I appreciate you throwing them away. You're not going to put them back on. But training wheels make us feel like it makes us feel like we're holy. It makes us feel like we're riding, but we're not. And this week, Paul, I think Paul continues this, and he talks about how to start riding. How to start riding. A few weeks ago, I kind of introduced this concept that. We don't work, we don't do things to earn God's favor, to earn our righteousness. We do them as a response to what Christ has done, to what he's done inside of us, how he's fulfilled our righteousness, he's made us new. We don't earn our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, you can write that down if you're a note taker, is a great passage. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
not by works, so that no one can boast. We don't need to work to earn our salvation. We never could earn it. But I think we do need to respond. And as maybe Larry mentioned this morning, it's a struggle. It is a struggle to walk out your faith. It is not easy. There are countless New Testament passages. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. The Christian life is a struggle. It's a war. Just read the books of Paul. Read the letters of Paul. Paul doesn't make, make light of the, the struggle that it is to walk out your faith. Look at, read the book of Romans. It's not easy. Paul says, I do the things that I don't want to do. It's not easy. It's a struggle. But as I've read this passage and I've read other passages, I'm beginning to see something that I never saw before. I think the struggle is a sign or it's evidence of what I call true redemption. We have been made new. The price for our sins has been paid. There's no longer a hammer hanging over my head. The wrath of God coming. I have been set free. But we still need to move. You've got to start pedaling. We have been redeemed and renewed. I don't need training wheels. You don't need training wheels. We have the capacity to ride, to race. There's nothing hanging on to us. The inner man has been given new life. You were born again. You got a second chance, but you still need to run. I, Dave, need to run. I don't need to sit in a wheelchair anymore. My legs are healed. But I think this is what is the evidence of true redemption. It is a struggle. Why do I say that? Because God wants to redeem me. If he just flipped a switch in my head and snapped his fingers. See, I always struggle with God. If I've been made new, then why do I still struggle? Why is it so hard? Because, Dave, I wanted to redeem you. I didn't want to just implant something new inside of you and erase you and snap my fingers and, oh, now Dave's perfect. That wouldn't be me anymore. He wants me. He wants this guy, this broken, frail human to be redeemed. So I have to walk that out. I have to become that. It has to be me that changes. If God just flipped a switch, he would have an automaton, but he wouldn't have me. He wants me. The difference is before I knew Christ, I wasn't able to change. I wasn't able to ride. I wasn't able to do anything. But now coming to know Christ, I have been made new. I can ride. In the passage today, Paul lays out this truth that we are something new. And he says, hey, it's time to ride. It's time to start riding. And he's going to go into two different lists. A list of things to cast off and a list of things to clothe ourselves with. If you're a note taker or you're going to look at this later today, I'm not going to go through those lists. I would encourage you to make a, take a piece of paper Put a line down the middle and on one side write down all the things we're supposed to cast off and on the other side of the piece of paper write down all the things we're supposed to clothe ourselves with. 
But Paul uses some pretty strong language. He says, put to death, rid yourselves, clothe yourselves, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I would encourage you to make those two lists for yourself today. But the question I have is, why don't we take this more seriously? This working out our salvation. As I look at my life, and as I observe other Christians, I would say at best we are lukewarm. Maybe on the cold side. Why don't I take this more seriously? When I read the New Testament, when I read about Jesus, when I read about John, when I read about Paul, they're all in. Everything. Their Christian, their walk is following Christ costs them everything. And I think it was the expectation that it would cost everything. I love the story of the rich young ruler. You remember that story? This young guy comes to Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I'd like to, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. What do I need to do? And I think kind of leading him on, Jesus says, Well, do these five things and you'll be good. And the young man says something like, You know, Jesus, I've done those things for a long time, but something's still missing. What do I need to do? And then Jesus says to him, go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And what happens to that young man? He walks away. It should cost us everything. How serious do you take this, this following Jesus? Would you describe your walk with Christ with this same kind of passion? Is following Christ, being transformed, living out what he has called you to be the most important thing in your life? Here's what I think. I don't think we truly know what it means to be a follower of Christ. Maybe we did, but life has a way of blinding us, of distracting us, of getting us off track. I think we have lost touch with what happened to us the day we found Christ and he made us new. As Paul says, we've taken our eyes off Christ and we've got distracted. So this morning, I don't want to go through those two lists. We don't have time for that, but I would encourage you Read this scripture again and make, make note of those two things, what we should clothe ourselves with and what we should cast off. But I do want to talk for just a few minutes. The reason we ought to do these things, the reason we should work so hard and, and, and follow Christ. Paul says in verse, verse 1 of chapter 3, Since then you have been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. I think Paul's saying, since you have been given new life, since you don't need those training wheels, you've been made new. Paul's saying, set your eyes on the things of Christ. Ride. Ride your bike. We have been given new life. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. Read Ephesians chapter 2. 
We were dead in our transgressions and sins. And Paul's saying, since we have been given new life, focus on Christ and where he is. Verse 2 says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. When Jesus was on earth, what did he say? Store up for yourself treasures on earth? Is that what he said? Gather lots of nice stuff? What did he say? He said, set your hearts on what? Treasures in heaven. Focus on those things. Don't worry about earthly things. What did Jesus say when they challenged him about the coin? Well, whose face is on the coin? What did Jesus say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And essentially he was saying, but give your life to God. The problem is, is we, we get focused on this life. We get our eyes off of Christ and this life consumes us. Verse 3 says this, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. My trajectory, your trajectory, if you're a follower of Christ, your path is heavenward. You're going to be in heaven one day. That is the ultimate reality. Heaven. You died to the old life, to this world. Don't you know what your baptism represented? Do you know what baptism represents? You died. It's not your life anymore. It's Christ. It ought to be focused on Christ. I wrote this in my notes. If somebody young and hip were to say this, they'd say this, Bro, don't you know where you're headed? Like, don't you know the direction of your life? It's heavenward. It's eternity with Christ. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him, with him in glory. There is a reason the Bible refers to the followers of Christ as aliens and strangers. This world is not the end. This is not ours anymore. We've died to this world and this life. Our trajectory is heavenward. So we should set our minds on the things of Christ, not on earthly things. We are Christ's. Or maybe you didn't realize what you signed up for when you gave your life to him. So we should actually be living these things out. Part of putting our eyes heavenward, is living out what Paul is saying here. Guys, cast off these things. Don't waste your time with these things. Clothe yourselves with these things. You are Christ's. You are going to be with him. We actually should look and be different from the world. And we can do this. We can ride because we've been given new life. But I think we don't because our eyes are on this life and the things of this life. They have consumed our thoughts. They have captured our soul. So how do we get our eyes off of the things of the world and back onto Christ? I think it starts with realizing how sick our hearts actually are. We long for stuff. We long for status. We seek pleasure. We seek comfort. We are prideful. We want bragging rights. We want to be thought of well in this world. 
And it's the focus of these kind of things that lead to, to impurity, to lust, to evil desire, to greed, to anger, to rage, to malice, to slander, all these things. And these are the things that are bringing the wrath of God. We get angry because someone dented our car. We talk negatively or down about someone because they wronged us or they slandered us, all because of stuff of the world. Listen, if your doctor told you, hey man, you're overweight, your cholesterol is high, you're imminently going to have a heart attack, would you do something about it? If you knew the trouble was coming? I had a friend years ago, he's only in his early 30s, and uh, he started having numbness in his feet. And he went to the doctor and he was like, I, my feet are kind of numb. I'm not sure what's going on. So they did a bunch of tests and he was pre-diabetic. Boy, he suddenly got in the best shape of his life. Now he runs marathons. Are we willing to make a change? Do we realize the cost of focusing on this world? Paul talks about training yourself to be godly. Training takes time. Has anyone ever done any like physical training and tried to you know, get, get in shape? Come on, somebody here. You don't have to look like it now. It could have been years ago. But if you've ever done any kind of training, it doesn't happen in three months. It doesn't, it's not easy. It takes time and effort and Paul talks about, yeah, it takes discipline. Paul talks about godliness as training. Train, he says in 1 Timothy 4.7, train yourself to be godly. Again, why is, it, why is it so hard? And maybe I'm just seeing this for the first time, and if I'm not articulating it well, I'm sorry. I wish I had better language. But it tells me that God wants authentic redemption of me. Of me. You know, I, I, I wish I had the picture, but I couldn't find it. And I, I had a picture of, of myself. I was up in the Philippines. I was up in, in the jungle. And uh, I had gone through difficult times in my life. And I had really refound God and found purpose and just... And I had a picture of myself standing on this mountain in the jungle, and there's this beautiful jungle scape behind me. And it's kind of a silhouette. You couldn't really tell it was me. Um, but I knew it was me. And I was looking at that picture once, and I said, man, the jungle is one of the most beautiful things I've seen. God, I'm just so thankful for your creation. And then God whispered to me, and he said, you know what's actually the most beautiful thing in that picture, Dave? You. We are God's handiwork. Other translations, they, they translate that verse as, you are God's masterpiece. God wants to redeem me. He doesn't want to flick a switch. He wants Dave to grow and Dave to be transformed. And it takes work. It takes training because he wants me. So why don't we do it? Why don't we go all in? It's hard. If you've ever read any of A.W. Tozer's works, 
I love A.W. Tozer, and he said, it's hard because the stuff of this life literally gets sewn into the fabric of your heart so that when it's taken away, it hurts. It's physically painful. And I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking, well, let's, let's imagine we can go 200 years into the future. We're up in heaven. We're with Jesus. And the wonder of heaven, we can look back on our life. I'm not sure Jesus is actually going to do this with us, but the, I think the thought is interesting. And let's say Jesus says, hey, Dave, I'm just looking back on your life here, and there's a time where you weren't really focused on me. You weren't really following me. What was going on there? Could you imagine saying to Jesus, well, you know, Jesus, I would have, but that Toyota Highlander with the leather seats, I mean, it was pretty sweet. You, you can't blame me for really focusing on that because that, that was one. I mean, do you think Jesus is going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I didn't notice that. Yeah, that's a great, you know, as you're lounging in your, your golden chair on the streets of gold and, you know, you're, you're polishing your, your diamond-plated door, like, What, what could possibly be that valuable in this life that when you're looking back from heaven, it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm sure glad I spent time on that car. It's just stuff. How do we, how do we free ourselves? When, uh, when I was in seminary, uh, there was a guy there, his name was Fred. A great basketball player. And uh, he was in the college, but he, he was a bit older and he, would, he spoke at our chapel in our seminary chapel once. And he told a story, and I can't remember if he read it or if he wrote this story or if he heard it from someone else, but it, it stuck with me. And he said, imagine that God came to you. And he said, Dave, I'm going to build you an island. The island of Dave. And everything that you wanted, is, have ever loved, is going to be on that island. The people you love, your friends, you like basketball, which I do. The Chicago Bulls are going to be there playing every night. You like welding, they'll be the biggest welding shop. All the supplies, you, can, you do this for yourself. What would your island look like? All the things of this world that you love. You like Toyota Highlanders, they'll be every model. Leather seats and everything. You like quilting? It'll be there. Everything that you love. Everything that just... The food you love, there'll be chefs. Everything. It'd be pretty cool, hey? To have an island like that. Wouldn't it? Come on. There'll be a bean... For those of the bean festival lovers, there'll be a bean festival every night. All right? everything that you hold near and dear. But then God says this to you. Dave, what if I'm not there? Would it be enough? Would you stay? Or would you come with me? things of this life can
can capture our attention. They can seep into our soul and hang on to us. Can I be honest with you about something? And please don't hear me complaining. I'm not whining. I'm not looking for anyone to do anything. But I'll just be honest. Our house hunt has felt frustrating. Before we came here, it seemed like there was always something popping up on the market. Oh, we move here. We'll find something quick. It'll be easy. Well, it hasn't turned out that way. And I'll be honest, I've been frustrated at times and I have nothing to complain about. We have a wonderful house we're staying in. You know, we love it here. I, I'm, please don't hear me whining. But it has been hard. And I thought, God, why are you letting this happen? Why don't you just snap your fingers and give us a house? Because he could, right? But then I thought, so to be happy and comfortable, I need a house? Is, is God not enough? Is God not in control? Can I not just trust? Or do I need stuff to make me happy? Do I need stuff to be comfortable? Because you can ask my kids, there's been moments where I've been miserable about it. Absolutely miserable. So 200 years from now, looking back, well, Jesus, and I did need a house there. Well, aren't I enough, David? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And I realize this is not the most warm hug of a message, but I think we need to really seriously, I mean, this is where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe this is, this is it? Is your faith in Christ it, or is there something else? I think we need to be all in, and we need to be able to ask the hard questions. In just a moment, I think Deb's going to come back and lead us. And I wasn't sure how to go with this today. But you know what? I'm just going to go for it. As we sing, did Deb just step out? She's here. I, I was hoping that they could sing that song, Build My Life Again, the one they sang earlier. And I'm, I'm going to ask that while we sing that song, is that okay, Deb? Can you guys do that one again? Okay. While we sing that song, I'm going to be on my knees this morning because I need to just repent, and I need to just say, hey God, I, I've put stuff of this world way above. And if there's anyone that wants to join me, and just maybe bow a knee at a pew, or if you want to come up here and stand and just respond, and just say, hey God, there's some things I need to just let go. I would encourage you to join me. No one has to. Maybe where you're sitting, you just need to do some business with God. But as we sing this song again, I just encourage us to respond in some way and say, hey God, you know what? There are some things that I just need to, I need to let go.
I want to put you first. I want to start riding again. Because if we're focused on the things of this life, I don't think we can do the things that Paul is calling us to do. The world is too dangerous. It's too deadly. It's too enticing. It's too consuming. It, I mean, some of you know it will consume you. We need to let it go. So, Deb, if you want to come and lead, and uh, I'm going to spend some time with God. If you want to join me, you can. Uh, but God bless you. Have a great week.